Turn to Matthew chapter 1 and uh, keep your finger there. That's, there's just one little text we're looking at in uh, the last week and the next two. Um, if you have your phones, uh, take them out. Hopefully you have your Bible on your phone. If you tweet or text or Facebook or do all that stuff, if you hear something good today, would you send that out, okay, to your peeps, all right? And uh, uh, let somebody else in on the, on the good word that you heard today. Um, let's pray and then we'll start. Father, I thank you um, that you are with us, that you are Emmanuel. And Father, I pray that as I preach today that you will take my words that you will twist them in such a way by the power of your Holy Spirit that they fall on hearts in exactly the way that you desire them to fall. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, It is a time of year that we fall back very easily on a couple of questions depending on who we're talking to. If we are talking to somebody between the ages of I can talk and I have car keys, right, It's one question, and the question goes like this. What do you, you probably know it, want for Christmas? That's it. What do you want for Christmas? And that's, you know, if we meet a kid that we, you know, want to engage in a certain way or we want to hold a conversation with, and we don't really know them, we don't know a lot of other things going on in our life, well, we know Christmas is a common ground kind of thing, right? So we can easily ask, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And we can start a conversation like that. Now, if, if they're a little older, if they're the age uh, over the age of I have bills, right? Then the question changes. The question changes from what do you want for Christmas to maybe you know this. Where are you going for Christmas? Yes, where are you going to be for Christmas? What are you going to Uh, Who are you going to be with? Where are you going to go? Oh, your family lives here in Fort Scott. That's great. You know, they're just right here and you don't have to travel too far. Oh, you're going to Kansas City. Okay, well, that's not too far. That's great. You can spend some time. Oh, Florida. Wow, that's a big trip. And you probably don't get to be with them very much. See, the question changes. And as we grow, uh, we start out wanting things for Christmas. And then later in life, Christmas becomes less and less about our wants. And more and more about who we're with or sometimes who we're not with uh, because maybe they aren't going to be able to make it this year. Maybe uh, somebody came unexpectedly that we didn't anticipate and so we're excited that we're going to be with them. Christmas has gone from what I want to who I want to be with. Emmanuel means God with us. And we have been talking about this word, this line in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And the virgin shall be with child, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And last week, Kevin talked about the God part of that three-word uh, three sentence. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the with part, and then next week, we'll talk about the us part. So today is with, God with us. Why Do we devote such time, I mean, three weeks, four weeks, to this little phrase? And I would have have you know that whole lives have been spent exploring this phrase, God with us. Our need for with is strong. 
Even at Christmas time, right? We've just explored that. But aside from Christmas time, our need for with is still really strong. We always want to be with people. We always want to have uh, to be at the gatherings, to be with this person, or or to be connected here, or to to gather together in this place. I want to tell you about my saga with a ceramic frog. It started last Christmas, and Amy's family, we got together in Kansas City so we could be with them, right? And um, we do uh, one of those, you know, gift exchanges where everybody brings something dumb, and then you fight between it, you know, and you go home with something that you really don't want, but it's Christmas, you know? Okay, so that, that's the way it goes. So we decided to orchestrate that a little differently, and we decided to uh, set up uh, Amy's mom. Um, and so all of us brought, uh, her favorite color's pink, so all of us brought kitchen items that were pink, all right? Items that could go in her kitchen and that were also pink. And we brought them and we played them off as, as though it were just an accident that all of these, you know, gifts were pink and they all belonged in a kitchen. And by the end, she realized, oh, these are, and, and we surprised her and she got all the gifts and, you know, that was really cool. It was, it was awesome. Okay. But what that means is there's like a dozen people here that usually leave with a gift that are not leaving with a gift now. The only gift left is the one Sally brought, right? Because she's not in on the gag, right? All the gifts were for her. And so what she brought was a frog that she found, a ceramic frog. She found it at Salvation Army, and it had a sprinkler on the top of it, and uh, it, it had a connection for a hose. And I am sitting there thinking to myself, I am going to get out of here and not have a present. And maybe Christmas is more about what I want, Right? So I want this present. I want this. And actually, I had a use for it because I, was gonna, I knew I was going to grow some grass. And man, I could have another sprinkler. And so I fought for this thing. And we did the biblical thing. We uh, rolled dice for uh, the frog. <laughs> and uh, so there's 12 of us gathered around this table. And we're rolling dice, you know, and the numbers are coming. And it's narrowing down. And finally, it's between my brother-in-law and me and my new uh, brother, uh, nephew-in-law, right? And uh, then it turns into a college thing because my brother-in-law is an MU fan and my new nephew-in-law is an Illinois fan. I'm a KU fan. And so we have all of our, you know, college cheerleaders behind us. Go KU, go. And MU fell immediately. I mean, just, just <laughs> off the table, no problem. But the Illinois KU thing. And finally I prevailed and I won the frog. I think I have a picture of the frog. Here's the frog. There's the frog. Ceramic frog. Show the back of the frog with the uh, hookup. Yes, there it is. Okay. Now, I had big plans for this frog. And so I took it home and uh, I patiently waited. I patiently waited until spring and I did the grass seed thing and I had this perfect place for the frog. And so I went out the first day that it was warm and I needed to water grass and I hooked it up and I turned the water on and I waited for joy and it did not happen. I thought, that's strange. That's weird. Did I turn the water? Yeah, the water's on. What's going on? And in the middle of all of these thoughts, the frog, boom, just exploded. Just, just went everywhere. Like there's pieces of ceramic things going everywhere and water shooting. So I turn off the water real quick. And you can, I mean, I, 
I wanted this frog at Christmas. I fought for this frog. I waited patiently to use this frog. So you can understand my initial reaction. I looked at this pieces of ceramic frog and I thought, that was awesome. (laughs) That was great. Who else saw that? Surely somebody, my wife, no, Amy's not. Davis, no, they're not here. Surely there's a neighbor, somebody walking by, dogs in the yard. Somebody saw, no one was around, none, nobody. I needed somebody to be with me in my exploding frog episode, right? Because we want to be with people when we have exciting things happen, when we succeed, when we win, Uh, When good news happens, we want people around us. We want to share that with people. We have this strong need to be with. And here's the question. Why? Why do we have such a strong need to be with other people? To share those things, even exploding frogs, with other people. Maybe there's a clue in the Bible The story of the Bible is with. If you take it from beginning to end, the story is with. We are, in Genesis chapter 1, with God in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, something happens. A fracture takes place. We disobey God. And the withness that we had is no more. And so we lose the withness. And then, in the New Testament, the rest of the Old Testament points to this figure named Jesus, who is the Messiah, and he is the Son of God, and he will come, and he will buy back, through his sacrifice on the cross, he will buy back the withness that we had in Genesis chapter 1. And so he buys this withness back. And the whole story of the Bible is about God being with us. And maybe our need to be with other people comes from The fact that God has always existed and will always exist in a with relationship. As you read Genesis chapter 1, even verse 1, 2, and 3. In verse 1, you have God the Father. In verse 2, you have the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. In verse 3, you have, and then God spoke. You have the word of God. And John tells us that the word was Jesus, the Logos. And so even in the first three verses of the Bible, you have God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and the Son, and you have this relationship happening in the Godhead, and they are with one another. They have never not existed in a with relationship. Even later in chapter 1, verse 26, we come to this phrase that sometimes we stumble over. It says, God says, let us make man in our own image. Let us, and and we wonder, who's he talking about? Who's the us? Is it angels? Is it somebody else? No, it's God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, us. We are a relationship. We are with, we are in this community, and we are going to create people, and we're going to expand that community of withness to those human beings that we create. And maybe I know for sure. There's no maybe about it. That's why we have such a strong need to be with other people. When something good happens, we want to be with somebody. We want somebody else to know about it. Because God has created us to be with. And now, the Christmas story is yet another statement by God 
that because we lost the witness, God wants it back. He sends a son and he says his name will be Emmanuel. That's so appropriate because every page in the Bible is about God trying to get the witness back. And this, it all culminates in this Messiah who will come, Christ, the son of God, God with us. We were designed in the beginning to have daily walks with God. Daily walks. To be with him in that way every day. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going out your back door, taking off? Bye, honey. I'll be back later. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where are you going? Well, I'm going on my walk with God. Oh, okay. What are you going to talk about? Exploding frogs, probably. Because that's what you talk about with somebody that you love, right? God wants to be with us. Not was with us, not will be with us, although those are true. But God is with us now. We were designed to have daily walks, but we lost them. And so now God wants the walks back. Now, the struggle at Christmas time is to make these ideas that you've heard year after year kind of fresh and new. And so um, what I'm going to do is to try to impress upon you how important, how utterly important this idea of God with us is, even in your everyday life, even this afternoon, even this evening, it is important that God is with us. Us. Okay, so on your notes, you can get those out. Uh, they're on the back of, your, of the bulletin. And some of you who are note takers will uh, want to fill in all the blanks. And so um, I'm going to give you all the blanks. What I'm not going to do is preach on all the blanks. I, I, I have six blanks. I preached on three of them in the first service. I'm preaching on three of them in the second service. Uh, if you feel robbed that you didn't get to uh, hear the other three, uh, we have a really cool website at uh, cccfortscott.com, and you can uh, uh, download that sermon. I'll put them both online this week. Okay, so here are, the, here are your points. Uh, just a few ways with matters. It matters in our pain. It matters to the poor. It matters in our worth. It matters to our wants. It matters in our fiction. And it's important. It speaks to the future. Okay, those are the six points. Pain, poor, worth, wants, fiction, future. With speaks to our pain. It speaks to the poor. It speaks to our worth. It speaks to our wants. It speaks to our fiction. It speaks to the future. You got them all? Okay, now I'm going to cover two, four, and six. Okay, two, four, and six. Um, It speaks to the poor. Jesus being with us has something to say about the poor among us. Do you realize how Jesus came into the world? He is the only God, the only one, who has come into a physical body. That's part of why it speaks to our pain, because he is the only God that has scars. He's the only God that has a physical body that can have scars and can say, I've gone through that with you. When that pain comes into your life, I've gone through that with you. But another thing that we understand about God coming in the flesh is how he came. How did he come in the flesh? Do you remember in the physical realm, how did he exist? He existed as a poor person. 
He came into the world, and he was a refugee as a, as a child. His parents are fleeing to Egypt to escape Herod. Uh, there is another story about Joseph and Mary going to the temple to dedicate Jesus. And what do they offer as an offering? Anybody remember? A couple of doves. Yeah. Because that was what the poorest of the poor offered. That's all they could afford. It means that Joseph and Mary were the bottom of the bottom. And that's the family that Jesus came into. He was with us in this life that most clearly identified with the poor. He was most closely tied to poor people. He was with us in our destitute state. Now, what does that mean? It means that Christianity is the one system, the one religious way of living that can speak with the most integrity about helping those less fortunate, about feeding hungry people, about keeping people warm, about protecting innocent victims, while at the same time speaking with integrity about the salvation of the soul. Here's what that means. Christians can truly be concerned with somebody's physical needs at the very same time as they are concerned with their spiritual needs. And we have the only motivation that is consistent with our faith. Ask that atheist, okay, who wants to take Christ out of Christmas. Why should we take care of the poor? Is there an answer? No. Now, that doesn't mean they can't. They're free to. And they do, and they think they should. What I'm pointing out is, they just can't be consistent about it. Because if we are truly without a God, if we are truly without a sense of right and wrong, and I need to value you, and you need to value me, if, if that is gone, which it is, if we do not have a God, then there is no reason whatsoever we should help anybody. And an atheist has every right to help people. They just can't be consistent about it. Do you understand? But Christians, Christians have the foundation. God with us, that he came as a poor person, allows us to be consistent about helping the poor. Jesus came as destitute and needy, and that's why we have in our lobby right now, we have a, a Christmas catalog filled with things that you can, you can buy for the missionaries that we support, the missions that we support, all of them have listed things, some $4 items, some $1,200 items, and they are just things that, that are needed for their ministries. And that's why we do that. Why do we do that? Because Jesus came and he spoke to the needs of people, the physical needs of people. And we, as his followers, should do exactly the same. It's why we have that Christmas catalog. It's why we have a beacon food drive. It's why uh, Tim will gather a bunch of volunteers in the gym. And we will have a beacon toy distribution. It's why we give toys away and food away at Christmas time to needy families. And uh, the rest of the year, okay, because... God is with us, and he was with us to help us in our needs. That's why we have the kids program that we uh, support um, with uh, Ajay and Indula in India. It's, it's why we take a thing around to the classes, the Sunday school classes, and we say, hey, could you bake a pie? Could you bake a pie? 
for families that don't have a lot of food at Thanksgiving time, could you just bake a pie? What an easy thing to do. And we have a motivation to do that because Christ came and said that the physical matters. See, a lot of Christians will like to say that only the spiritual matters. As if we should always be on our knees 24-7 and we should always be in a prayer closet or we should always have our nose in a Bible. And don't get me wrong, there are absolutely ways that we can be consistent in our prayer. We can pray constantly. That's what uh, the Bible tells us. We can um, absolutely be constantly connected with God, but we cannot ever neglect the physical needs. And taking care of physical needs is just as spiritual as those other things. The idea that Jesus came in a body that ate. Jesus came into a body that felt cold. Jesus felt, came into a body that cried and slept and danced. And then he resurrected. And did you get, uh, after his resurrection, he didn't shed any of that. Uh, he's, he's on the beach with the disciples. And they say, you look like a ghost. And he said, I'm not a ghost. Give me some fish. And he ate some fish. By the way, if you're ever accused of being a ghost, that's your response. Give me some fish. And he ate, right? He was a physical body. Jesus came to save your soul and your body. And we of all people should love matter. Matter matters. Food tastes good. And heat feels great. And people who don't have those things need to have it. That's our work. And the way Jesus came to be with us tells us. That part of our work in this world is to fight for the poor. Here's number four. Uh, with us speaks to our wants. Our wants. We talked about it at the very beginning. Uh, we talked about what kids want for Christmas. But if I were to ask you, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, if we're take just, let's just do this. Let's take a poll, okay? What do you want for Christmas? Just one word, shout it out. What do you want? A can opener, okay? A snake. Your mom might disagree. Peace. Ah, okay. What else? Happiness. Love. Health. Did you see how it, how it went from kind of uh, physical things and things that, uh, you know, can't open her, that's, that's great, to things that really matter. Things that really matter. See, our wants, if we were to go real deep, um, if we were to go around the room, you would have those deepest need kind of wants. I, like this, I wish she hadn't left us. I wish she wouldn't have spoken those words. I wish I wouldn't have spoken those words. I wish that the doctor hadn't spoken those words. I wish he were still here this Christmas. Because it's the first one without him. What do you really want? Right? We all have those deep desires and wants. And what I want you to know is that the people who found themselves in the first Christmas story had exactly those same wants. Mary wanted not to get fiery looks every time she went for bread. Because of what people thought about her. Joseph 
wanted to be able to stay somewhere for a certain amount of time and establish himself instead of fleeing to other countries to escape Herod. The mothers in Bethlehem, do you remember this story? Herod sent his soldiers into Bethlehem to kill all of the newborn babies within two years, right? In order to hopefully kill this king of the kings, king of the Jews that was to be born there. And the mothers in Bethlehem wanted their children back. That's what they wanted. And with, God with us means that God understands our wants. He understands and also wants what you want. Jesus wanted to avoid having to bury his adopted father, Joseph, when he died. Jesus wanted people in his hometown to praise him and not curse him. Jesus wanted his own family to understand what his mission was. Jesus wanted people to keep shouting Hosanna like they did at the beginning of the week. But at the end of the week, they shouted crucify. Jesus wanted his friends to have his back in the end, but they all fled. They all scattered. Jesus wanted most of all to bypass the cross Take this cup from me. And what did God say? No. And then he wanted most of all for his heavenly father to be with him. But he wasn't. And for the first time in the history of the Godhead, that witness that God and the Son and the Holy Spirit shared together was fractured. And God the Father turned his back on God the Son. And Jesus has the same wants as you. God with us tells us that the witness that we have with God will never be severed because the witness that he had with his son was severed. It's like the lady that is diagnosed with cancer and she decides because of her treatment she's going to lose her hair. And so she decides just to cut it all off and get it over with. And so she goes into the bathroom and she shaves her head and she comes out and her husband is in his easy chair and she realizes that he has a bald head too. And he looks at her and he says, I'm in this with you every step of the way. That's Jesus. Jesus wants what we want. And he says at the cross, I am with you. Every step of the way. Now also note this. That a world without. Which is sometimes what we want. I want a world without war. I want a world without violence. I want a world without. Fill in the blank. That world without. Requires a world with. You can't have the world without. Unless Jesus comes. To be with us. Here's the last one. Number six. With Emmanuel, God with us, speaks to our future, speaks to our future. Because of with, we have this unceasing hope for the future. Paul writes about it in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says it this way. He says, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And what Paul is doing is he's using the picture of a pregnant woman Uh, who is waiting and waiting and while slowly a child develops inside of her and is formed more and more. Is that not what happened to Mary at the Christmas time, at the Christmas story? Yeah, the Holy Spirit came and overshadowed her 
and inside her was conceived a child, and it was formed in her, and through her, Christ changed the world. And Paul picks up on this picture, and here's the cool part. He says that can happen to us too. We can essentially be exactly like Mary as we accept Christ into our lives until, and, and as he is formed in us. And then as we change the world, the world is changed because of him living inside of us. Isn't that a great picture? We have hope for the future. The same thing can happen until Christ is formed in you. So look at yourself. Do some inventory in yourself. Have you lost hope? Are there issues that dog you to the point that you think you'll never be able to change? Paul says, until Christ is formed in you, it's a process and things can change and you can be different and you can overcome that thing that is weighing you down. Just look at one uh, illiterate teenage girl and what happened in her life. You have that same power. There is a story that is told, a true story, of a preacher in India and his wife. And they were the typical native preachers in India. They had a little church and they preached. And they were in a radical Hindu area as almost all of India is. And one day these radical Hindus came and they captured he and his wife and they took took them out to the woods And while she watched, they began to beat him, beat him as good as they could. And they said, if you will just deny Christ, if you will come back to your Hindu roots, we will stop beating you. And his wife, as she's looking on, said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't deny Christ. And they, he says, I won't. And they couldn't. Okay. And so then they changed tactics. They stopped beating him. And they took a hold of his wife. And they said, we're going to do whatever we want to do to your wife while you watch, unless you deny Christ. And she looked at him and she said, don't do it. Don't deny our Christ. Don't deny our Lord. And he didn't. And they had their way with his wife right in front of him. And they, they realized that they weren't going to make any headway, and so they left. And these, this couple survived that in- incident. And the first thing they did is they went into the the town and they went to the police. And, of course, if you know anything about the India setup and the way the police work, the police did nothing, absolutely nothing. And so they did the only thing that they knew to do. They went back to their little church, and the next Sunday they started preaching about Jesus. And everybody in the community heard about what had happened in the woods. And they thought to themselves, how in the world do these two people continue to go on with this. What is going on? And so people began to come to the church just to hear the story. And while they were there, they heard the story of Jesus and the church grew and grew and grew. And if I were to stop there, it would be a really cool story, right? But that happened a while ago. And if you go to that church in about 12 hours, they'll open their doors in India. If you go to that church on a Sunday, here's what you will find. You'll find three guys who are now Christians, who were originally part of that initial group that kidnapped them and took them into the woods. And one of these guys is now a leader in the church and works specifically with the youth in the church. And if I were to stop the story there, 
It would be an awesome story, right? But here's the rest of the story. It is typical in India. When you become a Christian, to change your name. There's lots of reasons for that. One is that they want to, they're much like a first century Jewish person. When, when they converted to Christ in the first century, they knew that their family would turn their back on them. And so they had to sever those ties and they knew that would happen, but they chose to follow Christ anyway. Same in India. And they know that the family ties are going to be severed. And so some, to, to help with that process, they take new names. We have a group from the church here go uh, seven or eight years ago to India, and there were conversions that happened, and they did this. And now in southern India, there are people with the name of Tim. There are people with the name of Jamie. There are Christians, new Christians with the name of Kevin and Cindy and Kent and Linda. Do you know what? This man changed his name too. His, his name is now Emmanuel. God is with us. And this guy has it figured out, right? This Indian Christian understands that God is really with us. And if he's really with us, that means I can live a completely different existence Christ is being formed in this man, and it's changing his life. The same can happen to us. What is that thing that you're dealing with? It can be overcome. Christ is being formed in you. The Bible is the story of with. We were with God. We lost the withness. Christ came to buy the withness back. And then at the end, in Revelation chapter 21, the withness will be fully restored like it was in the beginning. Here's what John says in chapter 21 of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling place of God is with Men, and he will be with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God and be with them. With, with, with. That's the story. The great thing is that you don't have to wait to be with. You can be with God right now. Right now. That's what the invitation is for. As Jerry comes, Maybe there are people here today who have never, even though God is with you, you've never realized and acknowledged that you need to be with God, that you need to be in Christ. And so the invitation is for you. Let me pray, and then we will sing. And you come if you need to. Father, I thank you that you speak through your witness, that God with us means something in our everyday life. It dictates how we should live and how we should treat the poor. It dictates what we want. And it gives us such hope because we have a future. Father, would you impress upon people and their hearts 
how much they need you, how much you want to be with them, and how much they need to be with you. Just like they need to be with friends, they need to be with you. And would you help them to respond? And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.